This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. But uh, what I'd like to do is continue. We started last week. Does anybody remember what our title was? It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. And what we're talking about is, is worship, really. And as we learn how to worship God in spirit and in truth, we access that miraculous power of Almighty God that takes place in our lives. And there's no other way to access it. But I'd like to, uh, oh, I'm, I may read a passage or two that I talked about last week. Maybe, you know, uh, but, but uh, I want you to hear this one again, Amos. I think that's about where we stopped last week. Amos chapter 5, verse 23 in the Message Bible. And it simply says, I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. This is God talking, you know. I've had all I can take... If you read the whole thing, you'll see a whole lot more that he says. But I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. You know, music is designed to make us feel good, make us look good, but it really has nothing to do with God, you know. And God says, I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? And not just made music, not just jammed, but when's the last time God's saying that, we sang to him and when and you know the the last song that they sang a while while ago you know you know i'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you you know and all but it's 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 from the heart it's from the heart when is the last time you sang to god that's what he's asking us not just when you're in a church service but when's the last time you sang to god from your heart it might be a song that you learned at church or when you Heard on the radio or on the computer or the television or something or another. Might be one you read and you put your own melody to it. But he says, when was the last time you sang to me? Think about that. Now, I want to tell you a story. And I've told this story at least a zillion times. Okay, half a zillion times, okay? And, uh, but it's relevant to what I want to talk about a wee bit here this morning. It's about this little bird named Chirpy. And this lady had this beautiful little bird. He sang the most glorious songs in the morning and throughout the day. She had a cage for him, you know, and she just loved hanging out in the room with Chirpy because he just sang his little heart out, you know, and all. And, and one day she was cleaning the, uh, the bird cage out and, you know, she took her vacuum cleaner and sucked up all the... The, the bird seed, the little shells and things like that, and the bird droppings, and then she'd take the newspaper out and she'd put a new piece of newspaper in there. And while she was doing this, her phone rang. When her phone rang, she answered the thing, and she just continued doing this, and she looked back around, and Chirpy was gone. And there was a lot of commotion in the vacuum cleaner bag, you know. And she had accidentally sucked up Chirpy into the vacuum cleaner and she just panicked, and she grabbed the vacuum cleaner, she ripped it apart, she dumped it out in the middle of the floor, and there was dust balls and dirt and bird seed and bird poop. And, and right over there in the midst of it was this filthy, filthy, you could hardly recognize it as a bird, filthy little bird, just kind of just shaking, you know, traumatized, you know. 
And she grabbed a little turf. She ran to the sink there. She turned on the faucet and she washed him up. She scrubbed him up fairly good. Now he looked about half the size or less, like a little wet rat or something or another. And he sent her just shivering cold. And then she goes and gets her blow dryer and she turns that rascal on and she blow dries him. And his little feathers go, but he just puff up really pretty again. And he went through all this in a pretty short period of time, you know, sucked up, dumped out, washed up and then blow dried. And his feathers just came back. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But Chirphy never sang again. He never sang again. Now, we've been through some pretty difficult things in this last year, have we not? Are you still singing or have you lost your song? Have the, you lost a song from your heart? Have you ever had one? Or are you like Chirpy and you lost your song? The last part of Amos chapter 5, verse 23, it says, when was the last, and this is God speaking, he said, when was the last time you sang to me? And it don't matter. It could just be, Jesus loves me, this I know. When's the last time you sang a song to him? That's what God is asking us. Now, there was a song, and hopefully we can sing this together one day, but it's by uh, Michael W. Smith, and I remember the song, and I was thinking about it, and uh, I can't sing this song, but I'm going to read you a couple of the words. It goes like this. It says, more love, more power. Are you all familiar with that song? More of you in my life. More love, more power, more of you in my life. And I will worship you with all of my heart. And I will worship you with all of my mind. And I will worship you with all of my strength. You are my Lord. You know what? What does the Bible tell us? To love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Doesn't it? And here's a song that's saying, I will worship you. You know, I want more love. I want more love. I want more of God's resurrection power in my life. I will worship you with all my heart. I'm talking about worship that's coming from the heart. I'm going to sing from the heart. I'm not just going to make music. I'm going to sing to you from my heart. And then he just continues on. The whole thing just keeps on going. More love, more power, more of you in my life. More love, more power. And just goes on and on and on and on and on about. And see, that's really crazy in my own heart. I want more love and I want more of your power. I want more of you because really it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And I want more of you in my life. It's a fantastic song. The concept behind that is just fantastic. Psalms verse, uh, chapter 34, verse 1, in the Message Bible, it says, I bless God every chance I get. I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand, you know. My lungs expand with his praise. Oh, man, my every chance I get. I don't know if you do that every chance you get. You know, do, do we bless God? Do we sing to him every chance we get? Or do we do it just when we're with other believers, you know, in a Bible study or in a church service? Or do we bless God every chance we get? Are our lungs expanding with his praise? And he says in verse 2, I live and breathe God. 
I live and breathe God. Because see, it's all about you. I live and I breathe all about you. I live and I breathe God. If things aren't going well, you ever had that happen in your own life? If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Join me in spreading the news. I'm telling you, there's good news. And it don't matter what's going on in the world around about us. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Join me in spreading the news. Together, let's get the word out. And that's the good word, you know. God met me more than halfway. He didn't just meet us half. He met us more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. And there's been a lot of anxious fears during this pandemic, has it not? He says, he's freed me from my anxious fears. Verse 5 says, look at him. Give him your warmest smile. You ever do that? Or do you kind of walk around normal, just like frowning, all just all like you've been sucking on lemons all day or something like that? Have you ever given God your warmest smile? Let's try it right now. Let's look up and give it. I'm going to tell you something. When you smile, it affects you. When you smile and when you laugh, it affects you. cannot smile and you cannot laugh without it affecting your body. That's just the truth of it. And some of us need a lot more smiling, you know. And some of us need a lot more laughing in our life. And there's always something that we can rejoice about with the Almighty God. Let me see here. What verse was I in here? Look at him. Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. God wants honesty. God, this stinks. You know you can tell God that? God, I don't like this. Or God, I hurt. Or God, this or that. He wants us to learn to pray the word, but he wants us to be honest with him because he's honest with us. He only tells us the truth. Look at him. Give him your warmest smile and never hide your feelings from him. When I was desperate, been there? When I was desperate, I called out and God got me out of a tight spot. He will get you out of a tight spot too if you call out to him. Verse 7 says, God's angels sets up a circle of protection around us while we pray. Are you praying? It says, while we pray, he sets up a circle of angels around while we pray. But are you praying? It's really important to, to fulfill what he's called us to do. Verse 8 says, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Now, if, if in all honesty, even through the things we've been through most recently, would you testify that God is good? Three of you? Oh, that's good. Three and a half? Okay, who will give me four? All right. Testify that God is good. There's a song. I don't know if you remember that song. God is so good. All right, you familiar with that song? God is so good. Now, that is a praise song. Because praise declares who God is and what he's done. That's what praise done. And praise is wonderful and is fantastic. It just really charges our battery as we sing a praise song. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. But I want to sing that song as a worship song. So the way we would sing it as a worship song, God, 
you're so good. Because he praises, declaring his deeds among the people, telling who God is and what he's done. Worship is just heart to heart. It's just talking to God. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. I love you so. I love you so. I love you so. You're so good to me. And just about every, every praise song, you can, with a little tweak in it, you can turn it into a worship song. Now, worship will have praise mixed into it, and the giving of thanks and gratitude mixed into it. You know what I'm saying? But a praise song, just declaring his deeds, is not necessarily a worship song, okay? And thanksgiving is not necessarily a worship, you know. But when you're talking directly to God, that's where worship comes in, you understand. So anyhow, uh, what was that last verse we read over here? Verse 8, it says, open your mouth and taste. You know I like that verse, don't you? Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. And I happen to have a bag here. Uh, what, what's that song? I think I asked you about it last night, dear. What's that song that talks about the stars and the heavens and you? Indescribable. Indescribable. God is indescribable. And I, I want you to remember that. So I have something here. It's indescribable. Now, are you all familiar with this? You know, you have to have a pocket knife in case you have an opportunity to open a container of Almond Joys, you know? You know what the little saying about Almond Joys is, right? That's what they said last night, too. Sometimes you feel like a nut, you know? That's not a part, I'm t- that's not a part that I remember. Anybody remember the other part? indescribable indescribably delicious y'all know that you probably don't need enough of these almond joys well let me see here you know what at least in the beginning when they first started making these things they called them indescribably delicious now they're cheating i'm gonna be honest with you here's an almond joy and it only has one almond you know that forces you to eat two of them. You know what I'm talking about? And we stopped and got these yesterday, and they only had two of these packages. Or I would have given you all one, but I didn't have enough, and you probably don't want to eat these since I've already touched them and all like that, you know? Mm. So I got to eat two of them to get two almonds, you know? Oh, wow. Mmm. I don't know if you like almonds or not. We we eat almonds a lot. And almond joys? You mix some almonds with some coconut and some chocolate? These are gluten-free, right? Okay. Well, don't tell me until I finish swallowing them. Mmm. Oh, wow. This is pretty good stuff. Man. Woo-hoo. Now I remember why they called them 
indescribably delicious. And sometimes I do feel like a nut too, okay? Mmm. Fantastic. I could probably eat all of these during the service, you know? Just to keep acting this out so you understand what it means to taste, right? Mmm. Wow. He says here, Those things are good. And verse 8 says, open your mouth, which I acted that out, and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is, that he is indescribable. There's a song about that, and he is indescribably good. I looked up the word good in the dictionary. You know what the word good means? Wonderful. God is indescribably wonderful. He's indescribably awesome. Words would fail us to to describe the goodness and the wonderfulness and the awesomeness of Almighty God. If you think about it, you're looking for opportunities to bless him. You're looking for opportunities to sing to him. And I have been known to change secular songs and, and change the words in there so I can sing them to him, you know. Or write my own songs from time to time. So let me read it one more time. We're going to go on. It says here, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Do you run to God or do you run away? <laughs> Do you run an opportunity to sing and to worship and and to praise him? Do you run to him? Because he's so good. Like if I was going to give away almond joys, and they're indescribably delicious, you'd probably run and get you one. Get some for your kids. The scripture says, blessed are you who run to him. He's indescribably wonderful and awesome. And he promises a great blessing when we make an effort to pursue and run to him. Picking up at verse 9, this is a verse we read last week. It says, worship God. What's the next word? If you want the best. And I am telling you, it don't matter what you look at on the news. It don't matter what people tell you. Everything I have read in God's word about faith and about expectation and about hope, God tells us that the best is yet to come. No matter about all that stuff, you can focus on the negative if you want to, but he says worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. Remember last week I went and opened that door? and said when we worship God in spirit and in truth, when our heart responds to him, when we sing him a song from our heart, it opens and it says, the doors to all his goodness. It opens all the doors to his goodness. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, young lions on the prowl, they get hungry. But God seekers are full of God. Are you a God seeker? God seekers are full. That means that you are occupied with God. And lots of times people go about their business. Hey, did you just bring me that water? I didn't see it. I was occupied, you know, somewhere. But thank you. I was thinking, 
Some water would be fantastic after having an almond joy. Oh, I'm not supposed to come out there without wearing my mask. <laughs> That's my instant mask, okay? So now you know why I grew it. Well, I could eat another almond joy since I got all that water. It says here, Verse 10, young lions on the prowl get hungry, but God seekers are full. They're occupied with God. And you look at it in other translations and it says, and they lack no good thing. The, the God seekers, those who worship the Lord in spirit and in truth will lack no good thing. God seekers are full of God, though those lions on the prowl, they get hungry, but God seekers any man, woman, boy, and girl who's seeking God and, and seeking to sing to him and to worship him in spirit and in truth, they will like no good thing. They'll be full of God. Verse 11 says, come children, listen closely. I'll give you a lesson on God worship. Would you like a lesson on God worship? He said, who out there has a lust for life? And, and this word lust is not a bad word. For lust. A lot of times we hear about lust and we think of very inappropriate thoughts and all. But here it says, who out there has a lust? This, this is talking about a, a love, a, a, a longing, a desire for life. Do you have a, a longing for life in all of its fullness, you know? And he says, who out there has a lust for life? Can't wait each day to come upon beauty. And that means you can't wait each day to come upon good things. The good things that God has done for us. And he says, if, if you want a good life, if you want the, the good things that God has, then he tells in verse 13, well, guard your tongue from profanity. And people, I don't know why they think that French people are more profane than any other nationality. Because I hear people say profane things. Oh, pardon my French. It's like, I didn't know that was French, you know. You ever heard that? You know, oh, pardon my French. It's like, that's French, you know? Well, we should delete their language from the planet, you know, if that's all French, you know? But I don't really think it is. And just saying, pardon my French, don't really make it right with God. Because you cannot worship God in spirit and in truth if, if you have a profane mouth. You just can't do it. You can try, but it just don't work. He says, he's telling the children, if, if you want a lesson about God worship, if you really have a, a longing, you know, for life, and if you really want to access the good things of God, then guard your tongue from profanity, you know, and no more lying through your teeth. You know, I think our whole political system don't worship God because <laughs> I just see lies after lies everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Everybody's lying about something, you know, but here's a verse I want you to remember. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, it says, For out of the abundance of the what? The heart. Now, you got to understand, whatever the heart is occupied with, out of the abundance of the heart, whatever's in the heart, what's going to happen? The mouth speaks. So if I'm around you for a little bit, and you're speaking French to me, you know, Blankety blank this and blank, oh, pardon my friend. Blankety blank this and blankety blank. I, I know what's in your heart. You've got a corrupt heart. Your heart is 
occupied with profane things. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance, whatever your heart is, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. That's just the truth of God's word. And you can deny it all you want to. It don't matter. It's the truth anyway. So if you want to worship God, you got to stop the profane words, letting them slip out. Because it's not okay with God. The Bible says one day we're going to have to give account to him for every idle word, every careless word. Not even profanity. It's just words that have no benefit. What it tells us in, uh, I think it's in Ephesians, it says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good to using to edify, to encourage other people. So the words that come out of our mouth need to be positive. And he's telling children this. And it works for adults as well. If we really want that abundance of life, if we really want to experience good things and all the doors of his goodness are being opened to us and we want the best, guard your tongue from profanity and from lying. If you want to worship God in spirit and truth, that's where we start. Because if you have a profane mouth, you know nothing about real worship. Oh, you might sing beautifully, but you'll never worship God in spirit and truth when your heart is corrupt. And what comes out your mouth is an indication of what is in your heart. Listen to what it says here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I'm going to read this out of the message Bible. It says, so, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. And I read this verse, talked a little bit about last week. You remember when I brought out the... Uh, the uh, uh, Laundry baskets last week for those who was here. And we offered our body as a living sacrifice to God. And everybody who wanted to give themselves to God on the way out, they stepped in the laundry basket. Like they was in the offering basket. They gave themselves to God and then they went on about their business. Well, this is that same verse, but that was out of the uh, King James, I believe it was, or it might have been the New Living. But here, this is out of the message. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, and he will. Take your everyday, ordinary life. This is, not the, the, this is not the life that you have or the day that you have on a special occasion. When it's your birthday or when it's Christmas, you got some kind of party. Even when you go to church or some kind of special meetings and all, and you got on your best behavior. It's not talking about the days of best behavior. He says here, he says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You know, everybody's already gone home by now. You're sleeping. You might be a little bit grumpy. Who knows? You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work and walking around life. Take everything you do, you know, really when no one's looking. Take your life. When no one's looking, when you're not on your special behavior or nothing, take, you know, all that kind of life and place it before God as an offering. And, and what it says in most translations, it says, and, and give your everyday, ordinary life to God as a living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, you know. Um, and then it goes on to say, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I can't see nothing. 
I just want to act this out for you for just a second here. Can I get you to stand up there? This is an embrace. Have you ever given or received an embrace? Is an embrace a good thing? Absolutely it is, you know. I just got my battery charged, you know. Wow, and I remembered to put my mask on too. That's awesome. And he says here, once again, take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. When you embrace, when you I agree with that, Lord. You, that's, yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree. I, I agree. I, I agree. I agree. I agree with everything you say, Lord. I agree. I agree. That, that's what we're talking about here. And listen what, how that concludes in the New Living Translation. It says, this is truly, what? The way to worship him. When you embrace all that he does for us and we give him our life, uh, the, the life that we have when nobody's watching or no one's listening to us, he knows when we cheat, you know. He knows when you cheat on your diet, you know. I don't think that disappoints him that much, you know. Does it, Lord? You know, okay. But when we embrace what he has for us and we give him our everyday kind of life and we offer it as a living sacrifice to him, that's really worship. True worship is being occupied. It's being busy. It's being engaged. It's, it's in use. Like, you want to go to the restroom? It's like, it says on the door, like, occupied. Somebody's in there. And worship is when we are occupied with God. That's what it's talking about. When you and I are occupied with God, therefore, we are unavailable to be occupied with lesser things. I'm occupied with God. So all that other corrupt kinds of stuff and, and pro-thing kinds of things, like, oh, I'm occupied. So I cannot be occupied with lesser things, dirty jokes. Other things that we can listen to and look at and participate in that are very inappropriate. Uh, you know, when you're occupied with God, there ain't no room to be occupied with lesser things. When you're occupied with him and you're occupied with his will, Opposed to just being occupied with self. You ever known somebody was occupied with himself? Have you ever heard this term from somebody? Boy, that, that person is just full of themselves. They're occupied with selfish ambitions. Not much room for God there. Do we ever make mistakes? Surely we do. We confess our sins to God? Yes, we should. And become occupied with Almighty, with the Most High. Worship is when our love and our actions responds to God's love and his actions. Worship is all about you. It's not just declaring him and what he does to everybody and not just thanking for all, but worship is being occupied. It's my love's response. I love you, Lord. I love you. I, I love you. That, that's what worship is. It's just being occupied. Of God. Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. In the New Lithuanian, it says, But I have this complaint against you. This is Jesus talking. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at 
first. Hmm. You, you've, you've wandered off course. Uh, I looked at this in the message Bible and it says, when you don't love God and you don't love each other like you used to love him, you've had a Lucifer fall. I don't think I want to have a Lucifer fall. And what's the greatest command in the Bible? To love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then number two is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says in the book of Revelation, I have a complaint against you. You're doing a lot of wonderful things, but you don't love me or each other as you did at first. You've you've left your first love. In this world that we live in right now, just a secular world, people are leaving their first love left and right. They are. And he tells us, you know, we've fallen from a great height. We experience the Lucifer fall. One writer notes, he says, worship in our time has been captured by the tourist mindset. Worship is understood as a visit to an attractive site to be made when we have adequate leisure. For some, it is a weekly stroll to church. For others, an occasional visit a visit to special services. Some, uh, with a bent for Christian entertainment and sacred diversion, they plan their lives around special events like retreats and rallies and conferences and concerts. We go to see a new personality, to hear a new truth, to get a new experience, and some so somehow to expand our otherwise humdrum lives. We'll try anything until something else comes along. See, uh, a heart of worship is one that loves and serves God. A heart of worship is one that not only loves and serves God, but it loves and serves God's people too. That's, that's all about worship here. He, he tells us here in Psalms 84 verse 1, he says, what a beautiful home, God of the angel armies. What a beautiful home, God of the angel armies. I've always longed to live in a place like this. What do you long for? What do you have a passion for? And the psalmist says, oh, what a, what a beautiful place. Your presence is so fantastic, almighty God. I've, I've always longed to live in a place like this, to, to live in your your presence. I've just longed to do that. And, and I read this first last week. It says in Psalms 42, verse 1, it says, As the deer longs for streams of water, <sighs> thirsty. So I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before Him? Such longing for God enables us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. But if you have no Longing, no thirst, no appetite, no desire for God. You may make some beautiful noise, but it really falls short of being worshipped. Picking up here in verse 2 of Psalms 84, it says, well, verse 1 says, What a beautiful home, God of the angel armies. I've always longed to live in a place like this. Always dreamed of a room in your house. Living close to God. Oh, man, I just dream about that. Where I could sing for joy to God alive. Birds 
Find the nooks and, and crannies in your house. Sparrows and swallows make nests. Yeah, you ever have little beautiful little birds making nests in the corners of your house? You know? In the last month or six weeks, I have had, I don't know if y'all can see me. Can you show that picture? You tell me if it comes up there. No? Now, it looks kind of like a chipmunk, but it's not. Not unless it's a chipmunk's got feathers for a tail, you know. Now, that is outside. That's outside on a post under my deck. That's a little camouflage backpack that I have. It's made out of polar fleece. It's nice and fuzzy. And that right there is a Carolina. He must knew I was originally from South Carolina or something. I don't know. That's a Carolina wren. And every night I go out there, and he just cuddled up in one of the pockets of my pack just like that. And his head's turned back around this way and stuck all in all of his feathers. So you can never see what he looks like in his face, you know. But he likes it there. He likes it there. And we have robins and some swallows and several other birds who make their nests in our house, okay. That ain't nothing compared to what the Bible is saying here. God's creation, God's creatures, it says here, uh, verse 3, Birds find nooks and crannies in your house. Sparrows and swallows make nests there. They lay their eggs and they raise their young in your presence, almighty God, singing their, their songs in the place where we worship. The birds like you, God, you know, God of the angel armies, king, God, exclamation mark. How blessed they are to live and, and sing there. And how blessed all those in whom you live. Hmm. Do you allow God to live in you? It says, how blessed all those in whom you live. God wants to live in us. He wants to move in us. And, and he wants us to be in connection with him. It says, and how blessed all those in whom you live, whose lives become roads you travel. Is, is your life a road that God travels? Think about it. I mean, God travels in me and through me? Yes. Has God visited your neighbors? He, he will try to visit them in and through you. Have you allowed God to travel the roads of your life? Oh, man. He says, and how blessed all those in whom you live, whose lives become roads for you. Roads you travel. Oh, wow. Hmm. So think about it for a moment. Does God travel through your words? Does God travel through your hands and through your feet? Does God travel? through your mouth and through your ears and through your brain and through your wallet and through your home and through your business, through your family. Does God travel through you? That's, that happens when we get close enough and we've offered our all, our everyday kind of life to him and he travels through us. It's awesome to be a conduit for almighty God to travel. You know, it goes on to say here in verse 10, one day spent in your house, one day spent in your presence, Almighty God, this beautiful place of worship beats thousands of days spent on Greek island beaches. <laughs> now, many prefer to spend the time at the beach than they do to spend time 
with God. I'll read it again. One day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship. Just one day, it beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. lost my microphone. One second here. Don't get no ideas, dear. Last night she said, could you bring that thing home? (laughs) Is this fun? It's fun. For you to watch me do it? (laughs) Now, would you rather be doing this or would you rather have all expenses paid to go to a Greek island beach? Let me read it. Verse 10 here. And this is in Psalms 84, verse 10, it says, One day spent in your house, in your presence, this beautiful place of worship, at beach thousands spent on Greek island beaches. And the psalmist says, But I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than to be honored as a guest in the palace of sin. I want the presence of God, and and I'll be happy just to scrub the floors for you, Lord. You're so awesome, and you're wonderful, and and I receive the best, and your goodness flows to me, and I've got peace, and I feel secure, and and you restore my soul and my mind and my body. I'd rather scrub your floors, almighty God, than be on those Greek island beaches. I'd rather have one day to, to scrub the floors for you than a thousand days at the beach. Can you see the value that the psalmist had in his relationship with the Almighty God? What's your passion? What is your passion? And uh, listen to what he says here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. He says, Dear children, keep away from anything. Now, what percentage will anything be? It'd be 100%. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Keep away from a relationship 
that would take God's place in your heart and keep away from a career that would take God's place. That you don't want to have time for God because your career is too important. He, he, he tells us, dear children, keep away from anything that may take God's place. The pursuit of knowledge, certain kinds of education. Well, that's more important than hanging out with God, you know. Or pursuing, well, man, I'm just going to pump iron, pump iron, shoot steroids. I'm going to look good, you know. See, all this is just natural. I didn't have to work for this. This is just natural. (laughs) Did you insult me? (laughs) Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Possessions, houses, cars, boats, the pursuit of pleasurable food, gourmet food. It's like, that's really more important to me. And he says, you know, keep away from anything and you can let anything take God's place. Addictions and entertainment and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so forth and so on. A man and his wife once dined with a very, very wealthy man from a blue blood Boston family. And they asked him, How in the world did you grow up in the midst of such wealth and not be consumed by materialism? This couple asked this wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man that question. And he answered, he said, well, my parents taught us that everything in our home was either an idol or a tool. And he chose to make every possession he owned a tool to be a blessing to God's kingdom or to individual people. It never became an idol to him. You got to read it one more time. Dear children, 1 John 5, 21. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Don't let anything take God's place. There ain't nobody who can take my wife's place. She has my undivided heart. Nobody can take her place. Is there anything that can take God's place in your life? Well, if you think, well, that, that has the potential of it, well, then the Bible says keep away from it. Keep away from it, you know. How do you view your possessions, idols or tools? Uh, do you, wherever you invest your time, your energy, and your money, that's your idol if it's not a tool that you use to advance God's purposes in his kingdom. There's an old song we used to sing, and it goes like this. Let all earthly distractions Fall aside, all other thrones and kingdoms give way. You are Lord, you are Lord, hallelujah, Christ is Lord. Let all those earthly distractions fall aside. I ain't going to let nothing come into my life that has the potential, as that scripture says, to take God's place in my life. Don't let anything come into your life that might take God's place in your life because you will never worship him then. What's it tell us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? I'm going to read out of the New Living. It says, seek the kingdom of God above what? What percentage is all? Seek God and his kingdom above all, above 100%. Ain't nothing more important than God and his kingdom. It says here, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Live in a, a way that honors God. Live a godly life. And if you'll do that, he will give you what? What percentage is everything? 
He will give you 100% of what you need. See, you you know, I got God. Does God own everything? He does. Can he make everything? Yes, he does. So if I got God, I got everything. But maybe God made something and said, oh, wow, this is really, 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 really nice. You know, thank you, God, for giving me this little nice little toy. And then we just turn our back on God just to have the toy. The toy will get old soon enough. Well, on it, that's why we have tag sales. You know, it's just that we, we get tired of it. But when you got God, seek first God and his, his righteousness and his kingdom, everything else you need, everything you need will be provided for you. That's what, that's what the Bible tells us. Acts chapter 17, verse 22. So Paul, standing before the council, he addressed him as follows. Men of, of Athens, and now they didn't believe in the God that we know. I noticed that you are very religious, very religious. For as I was walking along, I saw your many altars. You had a lot of altars. Just make sure you covered everybody. And one of them had this inscription on it. To an unknown God. Uh, to the God that nobody knows. That, that it had this inscription on there and, and Paul walked by, you know. So he said, you know, I understand that, that you knew there must be something more than these other altars that you have and you, you'll give them this and that and this and that and this and you pray to this and sing a song for that and give a little bit of alcohol to that one and you give a few coins to that one over there. But you're empty, you're, you're, you're hollow and you've got this one here, here's an unknown God, <laughs> you know, you, you just aren't satisfied. And he says, and now I wish to tell you about him. The essence of Paul's heart was, how great thou art. I've come to tell you about him. I've come to tell you about the great God who loves you and cares for you and made provisions for you. Verse 24 says, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. He don't live in that little altar over there that you got. The Bible says that you and I, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants to occupy you. He wants to live in you. Verse 25 says, and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to what? To everything. Life comes from God. Breath comes from God and he satisfies every need there is. And he alone can truly satisfy. Only God can satisfy. We get so dissatisfied with what we got. Because only God can satisfy. Don't let something take God's place in your life, you see. <clears throat> let me just ask you an honest question. Thanksgiving's coming. How many of you have enjoyed Thanksgiving dinner with family before? And they usually got all kinds of goodies, right? Oh, man, we've been working for a long time. All the family members bring something special to. And you eat a lot more than you really should have eaten. And you are just, oh, man, just stuffed. I mean, you can't eat another, oh, I can't have another bite. But within about 20 or 30 minutes, you're up and you got the munchies and you're looking for something to eat. Has anybody ever experienced something like that? Be honest. Put all them hands down quick. Okay. 
It's just like, I've eaten enough of food to last me for two days, but I'm hungry. Why? Let me tell you, lots of times, lots and lots of times, we have this appetite, this hunger for God. And we misunderstand it, and we try to satisfy it by eating physical food. But it's a spiritual hunger that we try to satisfy with physical food, and it just don't work, does it? It don't take too long after you're stuffed, and you're like, I can't eat another bite. Is there anything else to eat around the house? And, and, and it relates to so many other areas. We, we misunderstand the natural, the physical appetites and desires we have. We try to satisfy those when it's really a spiritual appetite that we have. Let me see. What verse was I in anyhow? Anybody remember? 22? 25? Who will give me 26? What about 27? Okay, we'll start at verse 25. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies, what's that next word? Every need there is, and he alone can satisfy us. 26 says, from one man, talking about Adam, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. And he decided beforehand which should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. And his purpose, his, he determined his boundaries, and he determined his purpose in all this was that the nations should seek after God. And perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Have, have you ever felt this, this inward tug toward God? Have you ever felt like, I just need to get closer to God. I need to read my Bible or I need to sing or I need to pray or I, I, need, I, need, I need to get closer to God. Have you ever felt that tug? Let me tell you, there's a tug going on right now. When you go outside and, and you'll see millions and millions of birds feel the inward tug. They don't have a map. They don't know anything except they feel this tug that tells them to go south. How in the world they know how, where south is at? You know, I don't know. How do they know they can trust the other birds that's going on? I don't know, but there's an inward tug that tugs them to the south because they'll survive the harsh winters there better than here. Okay. And there's an inward tug toward you and me to worship God. There's an inward tug to, and I'm going to tell you something. We all are going to worship something. We're going to worship somebody or something. We're going to give all of our time and our energy, our possessions, and, and all of our waking hours and all of our thoughts and, and passions to. It's like, oh, it's all of No. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. And it says, verse 27, his purpose in all of this was that the nations should seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. He's only a breath. He's only a prayer away. A.W. Tozer said, what I'm anxious to see in believers is this.
a beautiful paradox. No, I didn't say a parasox, okay? It's a paradox. And someone challenged me and said, you said a paradox? No, paradox. If you don't know what paradox is, you got to look it up. Anyhow, it's not really important. What I'm anxious to see, A.W. Tozer said, in believers is a beautiful paradox. I want to see in them the joy of finding God. While at the same time, they are blessedly pursuing him. Is it possible to, to find God and you're still pursuing him? More love, more power, more of you in my life. I'm going to tell you, I love my wife. We've been married how many years, dear? 43 years. And ain't nobody in the whole wide world I'd rather climb up a mountain with in the morning to pray. Ain't nobody I'd rather pray with. Nobody I'd rather sit down and eat a meal with. Nobody I'd rather talk to. I'm just being honest with you. I just, you know, it's just like I'm 65 years old. Am I 65? 65 years old. See, she gives me information I forget sometimes. I just want more of her in my life. But I can tell you, even more than that, I want more of God in my life. And so I can understand what A.W. Tozer said. He said, I want to see in believers the joy of finding God while at the same time they are blessedly pursuing him. I got him, but I just want more. Oh, we're, we're spending today, God, but can we schedule to spend tomorrow too? <laughs> you know, I want to see in them a great joy of having God, yet always wanting him. More love, more power, more of you in my life. And he goes on to say in verse 28, in him, for in, for in him, for, for, for in him, for in him we live and move and, and exist. Another translation says in him we live and move and have our being like, like in the water a fish lives and it moves and it exists in the water and in the sky the bird lives and it moves and it exists. And in our relationship with Jesus, we live and we move and we exist. That's what he's talking about here. For in him we live and move and exist. As one of your own poets says, we are, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or, or stone, you know. Using an idol is false worship. If, if you got something, you know, that's an idol. It's, it's false worship. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Ten Commandments. Did you know one of the Ten Commandments is taken out of certain religions, but it's in the original Ten Commandments is in your Bible? Did you know it says, do not worship idols? It says that, but you know what else it says? Look it up. Find it yourself. It says, do not make or worship idols. Because if you got some little thing over there, you have a tendency, well, here, let me... Let me just pray to it and see if that works. He wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. God is real and we're creating his image. Not that, not in that thing's image, you know. <clears throat> but we want to be in control. It's like, if you don't give me what, I'm going to put you in a suitcase and hide you under the bed. You better do what I tell you. That's the reason some people got these idols. Because they want to be in control. You know what I'm talking about here. Anyhow. He says here in verse 30, God overlooked people's former ignorance about these things, but now he commands everyone, that's 100%, everywhere, that's 100%, 
to turn away from idols and turn to him. What idols are in your life? That's my question. What idols in your life? Okay, we're almost done. Almost done. Romans one twenty five says, instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they knew this. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. A lot of people choose to believe lies today. So they worship the things God made. The sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the ocean, the animals. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they worship the things God made, but not the creator himself who is to be praised forevermore. I'm going to read one more verse and we'll be done for today. Psalms 100. Now, this is a fantastic verse for those who don't think they have a good voice because it starts off with, it says, make a joyful what? Make a joyful noise. Okay? And that's a song to God. Isn't a little cute little grandbaby is going, yeah, you go, oh, that's so wonderful. (laughs) Make a joyful noise to God, you know? Anyhow, he says here uh, in Psalms 100 verse 1, it says, shout with joy to the moon and the stars and the trees. Oh, wait a minute. I don't have on my glasses. Shout with joy to who? Shout with joy to the Lord. And in King James, it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout with joy to the Lord, O earth. Worship the Lord with sadness and come before him with sighing. (laughs) Right? Says worship the Lord with what? Gladness. And come before him with what? Singing. When's the last time you really sang to him from your heart? Wow. The question here is not, do you have a voice? The question here is, do you have a song? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. He wants you to sing to him. And it don't matter if it's just a joyful noise. He wants you to sing from your heart. And he says, worship if you want the best. Worship unlocks and opens all the doors of his goodness. And you'll experience the beauty. You'll access the miraculous power of Almighty God when you learn to worship Him in spirit and truth. But you gotta, you gotta get your mouth washed out with a bar of soap. How do you do that? If you've ever tried it, it don't work. You got to change the heart to change the mouth. Is that true? So let Jesus come into your heart and forgive your sins and wash them all away. And then out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth can sing and worship him. Listen, our time is up, but would you bow your heads with me right now? And 
I would like us to reaffirm our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and declare who he is and and how much that we love him and that we welcome into our lives. But if you have never welcomed Christ into your life, if you're in this room or you're in the balcony or you're watching from online, would you pray with us as we pray now and welcome the Lord Jesus Christ into your life? Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he died in my place. I believe he paid for all of my sins. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus inside. As my Savior. As my Lord. And as my soon coming king. In Jesus name.